Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. All right, welcome to the podcast. Um, This is an interesting one today. We are chatting with uh, Anissa Muthana. She is CEO of Pioneer Service, a Chicagoland uh, manufacturer. Anissa, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us here today. I'm really interested in in diving into your story. Um, Talk to me um, a little bit about yourself. Um, your background, who, what is Pioneer Service, what is your focus, what do you manufacture, all that good stuff. Sure. So um, I've been in manufacturing since I was 11 years old. Um, it's a story I tell often. My parents opened up a machine shop and my brothers got thermos grinders and I got sandpaper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sandpaper to sand down, you know, desks and um, a lot of filing back then. Yeah. And so um, I asked my father if I would be able to run a machine, had a couple of temper tantrums. Finally, by the time I was 13, he allowed me. I considered it a privilege then. I consider it a privilege, a privilege today. And, um, and so we st- I started in the machining industry that young. And at age 23, the family, you know, dynamic between having, a, you know, working with my father, working with people really just not really taking me too seriously as I was Debbie's little girl, I had to find my own place. And in doing so, I partnered up with my uncle 27 years ago. Uh, he is still today my silent partner. And we have um, grown quite a bit. Pioneer Service is a precision machine shop. We, uh, majority of our machines are Swiss CNC lathes. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, CNC turning centers and centerless grinding capabilities. Uh, I do not compete with my family. I'm in the machining and they're in the grinding industry. Uh, And so, yeah, we make parts for all different types of industries, including aerospace. We make parts for, um, thankfully, for medical devices, including oxygen equipment and ventilators. Okay. And um, and also uh, for uh, scientific labs, uh, finding a, a vaccine for COVID-19. So we're in that space right now, and we're very grateful to be so. Yeah, you're contributing to the cause. That's a good thing. And you, you, you warned me before we started recording here that I might hear some of the background noise. You're actually in your facility right now, and, and we might hear some of the uh, machining going on in the background, right? Yes, I apologize for that, um, but it makes it even more real, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, be, before we move on, I, I love a little bit of, in your background. There was something about you, you were you were wary of of being getting the label of the industry princess or being considered uh, spoiled in the in the facility among coworkers. Yeah, so they, um, you know, when I was working for my dad's company, again, we started so young. By the time I was twenty three, I was already handling all the money. I had three of the top 10 customers um, calling on me. So it was, you know, we rolled up our sleeves, we did what we, we needed to. And then when we were starting to hire, you know, people, onboarding people, um, the perception was always I was Daddy's little girl. You know, even the truck drivers used to call me princess. And it was yeah. just, how do I shake this off? 
Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem like it was going to. <laughs> I love it. Truck drivers. Um, so you're, you're chugging along with Pioneer Service and things are going well, but then there's a moment where you uh, recognize the fact that it talks to me about what prompts um, the transformation digitally of your enterprise. There was an incident, correct, that, or, or, a, or a short period of time that um, your competitors were doing things differently than you? Yeah. So when I, um, you know, back in after 9-11, you know, obviously it, it was devastating time for the country um, and, 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 and for manufacturers in general because of the, you know, situation. And then after that, the recession in 07 and 08, and I found it uh, very rewarding to have, um, you know, survived that. But then in 2012, five of my top 10 customers uh, were purchased by a huge OEM. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when that happened, it was, you know, I started to see the patterns of losing the business. And at that point I had to think fast and I started joining associations and I, I heard about the CNC world. And prior to that, I was always like, yeah, I, I'm okay with the old machines. Uh, but then, yeah there was a turning point that I had to make a decision. It was literally, I was sitting in my car in the parking lot. And I remember this um, sitting in my car, watching um, and just looking over everyone else's vehicle as I was walking in and thinking to myself, something has to change. Otherwise I'm going to close the doors and I didn't want to do that. And that's when that pivotal moment was like, I'm going to figure this out. And CNC kept, you know, being something that I was looking into and more and more intrigued about. And sure enough, that's, that's the path I went. Um, What had, what had delayed that decision was, and, and, you know, I I might know the answers to this because I think a lot of um, reasons to, not jump into full digital transformation um, are common among a lot of people. Um, but uh, what were some of the, the um, reasons that you had kind of clung to, to old practices? Just, you know, is it comfort with doing things the way they are? Is it, is it the personnel? Is it the, the um, legacy assets that you don't want to have to rip and replace or retrofit? Is it a lack of awareness about digital approaches to doing things differently? All of the above. Uh, we didn't want change. My team didn't want change. Mm-hmm. I didn't want change. Um, and there was no reason for us to change at, prior to that point. We yeah. were fine. Uh, I, you know, I envied those that went into CNC, but it wasn't anything that I was even interested in looking into at one point. Yeah. It just seemed really complicated. It seemed like something that, you know, my guys and gals wouldn't want to be part of. And, um, and we had business. There was enough business to keep us busy. Yeah. So why get out of your comfort zone, right? Right. Yeah. right. yeah. And change is scary and all this stuff too. And, and oftentimes oh, yeah. there's a lack of, I of was understanding. Yeah. So, yeah. So talk to me about computer numerical control. Um, for our audience here, to dive into a little bit, what is it? And then how did you implement it in your facility? Well, it's basically instead of being more uh, manual, you have to really use your mind. You have to have really good math skills, uh, whether you're programming, setting up, or operating the machine. Uh, where our machines prior to that were more, you know, you put the tools in and it's basically all your, your hands. Yeah. Um, where CNC is a lot of calculations, GD&T, 
um, just very, uh, very high tech uh, equipment that you really have to learn. And that's why it makes manufacturing a lot more appealing because it's not dirty, grimy and dark sure. uh, like it used to be. And so, and then the other flip side to that is that they're more complex, so they make more complex parts. And, um, and that's what we needed. We needed to get out of our comfort zone, not necessarily just to have really cool equipment, but to make really cool parts. Yeah. We never dreamed in a million years that I would be making parts for airplanes yeah. medical devices I yeah. my parts were very simple um, they you know there was threading and um, grinding involved and and things of that sort and slots and uh, tight tolerances but not uh, very complex and so today I'm happy to report that it worked completely different and we don't even try to compete with the other parts that we used to make it's just not even something that intrigues us we'll do it for customers that have been around Right. Um, but we don't, you know, solicit for those types of parts. The more complex they are, the better. Yeah. It's interesting that you note that, that, you know, automation in this respect or taking more of a digital approach, which oftentimes has the veneer of being, you know, computer controlled and things like that. You stress the fact that it, that it prompts more of a human intellectual interaction with the machine than previously. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also something that, you know, it's, it's a trade that you can take with you anywhere. So if you're a CNC programmer uh, or understand setting up a machine of my sort, a Swiss Blade, you can pretty much do that on different platforms in milling, uh, turning centers, and all, all different types of uh, platforms. So that really does help um, a person, you know, developing their skills, knowing that they're not stuck in a box. Yeah. And have you found that that makes um, attracting and maintaining, uh, retaining a workforce easier? The fact that, um, you know, these are, these are computer oriented roles. These are thoughtful roles and you're not just turning a wrench in a, in a dirty factory. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that, because of it, um, I have a lot of women that work for me more now than ever in the past and, and, and before. So mm -hmm. it's extremely appealing to them. Uh, it's also at the same time, uh, you know, it, it, I believe it brings out the more innovation, different ways of running it, different ways of setting it up. I believe that old manufacturing still has a place in um, the industry. I feel like, you know, that's more of the hands-on, craftsman type of a person. Yeah. Um, so there's there, having a balance is okay. I don't believe that you should completely turn your um, shop or and, and especially in my case, you know, every case is different and you have to do what's right for yourself. But for myself, there's still service grinders. We still have a couple of machines that are older machines, but there's a reason for them. Yeah. And, um, and it just makes sense. But automation for me, isn't just necessarily the machine and the CNC part, but it's also the bar loading. You know, instead of manually loading the machine, you have a bar loader that uh, you know automates that for you. Yeah. There's also the um, IoT end of digital transformation, um, knowing exactly what part, what machines are running, with what parts, your utilization, um, and then we have also ERP system, which helps with efficiencies and tracking costs. So sure. there's you know, this transformation wasn't just necessarily just the CNC world. You, it has to all 
work together because you can buy really expensive equipment. But for instance, if your quality department doesn't have the necessary equipment to check the parts, it doesn't matter if you can make it, if you can't check it. Right. So it goes hand in hand. So the innovation, the transformation was on all levels, even our marketing, even the way we quoted jobs, you know, everything changed. Everybody had to get out of their comfort zone. And I think that that, not buying machines, not training my people, but getting people out of their comfort zone, that was the hugest challenge. Sure. And when we talk about recruiting, that was actually, a, you know, a blessing um, that there were people out there hungry, wanting to work in this industry. And I feel that as, you know, for myself personally, being in this industry my whole life, it being the livelihood of my life for my entire life um, holds me, gives me that responsibility to give back. And in giving back, doing outreach, promoting the industry, giving back to the industry itself, not necessarily trying just to recruit for my company, but really just breaking through those barriers and that stigma of what manufacturing is perceived versus sure. what it actually is. And so in that process, um, I've been able to recruit quite a bit of people. I've had people reach out to me after, you know, speaking at an event or, you know, doing an outreach or hosting students. Mm -hmm. They come back and send me their resumes. So it, it, it really is about, you know, you, you get back what you put out. Yeah, on that front, um, let's touch on, um, you know, what, what's unique about um, being a woman leading a manufacturing enterprise in this space? And then how does that, I think we just touched on it a minute ago there, how does that translate to, do, do you find that, you know, you, you said too, you, you employ a lot of women in, in these roles. Is it more appealing to a woman to work in your enterprise that is um, not only fronted by a woman, but has this legacy of, I mean, you've been in this space now for a long time, and it sounds like you're very active in in promoting that and, and making yourself very visible to to make young women cognizant of the fact that this is doable and there are women in this space. Um, touch on that. Um, what's unique about um, your position? Sure. So, Chris, honestly, um, I feel like in any industry, if someone feels like they belong that's when they're going to work with conviction. Yeah. Um, and it, it can be a woman. It could be, you know, diversity to me is not just men and women, different backgrounds, different age groups. Um, you know, I have millennials, I have uh, baby boomers, I have Generation Z and everybody in between. And there's a level of respect. And I believe that leading by example, first and foremost, how I treat my team speaks volumes, um, you know, those uncomfortable conversations that you have to have at times, the way you handle them really sets the tone. And mm -hmm. that's where you build a company culture. It's, yep. it's how you deal with it when it's not fun, when it's not cool, when things go wrong. And so that's how I built my team. And when I look at my team, um, I see diversity and I see diversity on all levels. But what's important is that you know, and it's frustrating because you always want to support and you want to be part of organizations or groups and you want to empower others and, and explain to them, you know, you do belong. This is the place for you, right? Um, but then you have the, 
men versus women or the um, baby boomers versus millennials and mm -hmm. that stigma, you know, people promoting it that way becomes really toxic and it becomes that we're really, we're putting, we're making ourselves into victims, which we're not. We're not disadvantaged. We're not victims. There's opportunities in this industry for everyone, but you got to work hard. You can't, you're, you can't see yourself as a charity case either. Mm -hmm. so I think it's that in itself. We as leaders in this industry, leaders is in the business world, you know, as business owners, as managers, we have that voice in saying, yes, you belong, but you're not my trophy. You're not going to be put on a, uh, a pedestal. You're not going to, you know, you're, you belong and, and, and business as usual. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to come into work and feel like they're a victim. Yeah. And, um, and so that I think if we start changing the conversation and making it more about empowering, accepting tolerance, then everybody's going to want to be part of it. Very cool. Talk to me about um, a, a partnership um, with MXD. Um, how, how do you work with them? They're an um, organization that promotes the, the, the whole um, tact of, of digital transformation. Um, our Chicago uh, outlet here is very active in the Midwest community. How do you work with NXT? Well, you know, I met Chandra Brown at about a year ago, a little over a year ago at a conference. We were both speaking at it and I actually didn't meet her there. I heard about her there. Um, I was in one room and she was in a different room and, um, and I heard about MXD and this was in the, in the midst of me really going really aggressively into my IOT efforts. I've already yeah. been um, doing the CNC stuff, but it was more on the IOT efforts and I was speaking about it and as a beginner and a small manufacturer and MSD kept coming up and Chandra's name kept coming up. So mm -hmm. I'm like, let me look them up. And I immediately went on the website, was very intrigued and went to pay them a visit and Chandra greeted me along with a few of her other um, employees. And I was very impressed with the facility. I was very impressed with their resources and what they were doing and promoting the industry and, and dealing with different tiers. You know, so there's a place for everyone. If you're a small manufacturer, there's a place for you. If you're yeah. an OEM, there's a place for you and everybody in between. So right away, I just saw so much value in just being in that space. And then I've been to a few events and I've, you know, been on a couple of webinars that I've listened in on and I've been a very, you know, it's a resource. And yeah. if, you, if we're trying to get out of our comfort zone, associations and, and, and organizations like that, you know, you need to be part of that world. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to hear about the latest and best thing that, that's going on. So I think that that space is extremely important, especially um, with my growth and where I'm headed. Talk, in that vein, that's interesting too. I think a lot of people, um, small manufacturers, let's say, consider some of these IIoT or digital transformation concepts too much. To, you know, they're, they're the domain of the big guys and the huge players. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in the fact that you just mentioned the fact that you know, you're smaller in size, or particularly when you were getting started with your IoT initiatives, you were a smaller shop, and that 
Do you have to be a big player to adopt some of these um, data-driven strategies? Well, obviously not. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but what I would say is have a strategy. What are your intentions? Be transparent. I right. talk about IoT all the time because of the fact that the exact same question that you just posed, how am I in this world? Uh, I'm not Simmons. <laughs> I, you know, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because the data is important. Yeah. And now when I collect the data, what do I do with the data? Um, am I going to be a big brother? Am I going to go yell at people because their machines are down? Then you really, I, I failed before I even started, if that's my intention. Uh, my intention is to empower and to train my team and to figure out where are the bottlenecks and why. Mm -hmm. And so if a bar loader keeps giving a, uh, my operator a problem every day, and all of a sudden I see a trend there with that machine, um, I ask a question or the engineers will ask a question or the operator will just log and pick from the choices and voila, we know what the problem is, yeah. bring up utilization. So we yeah. support that. I'm always a big believer in when you're, if you're going to go into the IoT world, um, never use it as a big brother. Be very transparent in your intentions yeah. and you'll get the buy-in. But mm -hmm. if you're out on the shop floor and you, you know, I, I remember visiting um, uh, actually a competitor of mine. Um, he had also the same software I have. He actually had better software that I have. And uh, I was a little jealous. And yeah. I was just like, so what do you do with it? He's like, what do you mean what do I do with it? I'm like, so do you collect the data? He's like, yeah, the engineers collect the data. I'm like, so why do you have it up on your screen? And he's like, well, when this turns red, I go out there and see what it's about. And I immediately thought to myself, oh, my God, I hope I never proceed that way. And so, yeah. I, you know, it, it really does, you know, when you hear someone else say something, and you, I don't want to say I disagree right. with them because obviously you know who wants to see red. I don't want to see red either. Right. But am I, am I, is that the message I'm delivering my team? And so that's when you have those self-assessment moments and you step back and say, what are my intentions? Am I transparent? What's the incentive? What is, what is, what is the operators, the set of people going to get in return for me collecting this data? What yeah. is this going to, why is this going to be attractive to them? Yeah. And when you have that empathy, I think you're able to really progress. Sure. And, you, and that'll, that, that incentivizing that buy-in benefits everybody. You, 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 you make a workforce that might be wary of this automation as a potential job killer or job, you know, complicator. You, you make them realize that it benefits them. It benefits you. It should make their work, um, you know, more engaging. Um, and then if then, then the people that you have to have actually implementing these things are actually excited about doing so. Yeah. The first step for us was case studies. We selected a few eager employees that wanted to hold on to iPads, Sure. you know, um, and they were just, they were willing and able and excited about it. And yeah. so when everyone else saw that happening, and they became interested. It wasn't like a turn on the you know switch. Everyone were watching you. <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. Of I, I hear that all the time about about um, developing a team of advocates to to implement these things, and you know, particularly at the larger enterprises too. From 
from across the board, even at, even during the stage of, of considering what approach to take, like at the, at the first start of considering digital transformation, getting representatives from the factory floor and from the management team, in addition to the executives and things like that, because everybody's going to have to be on board for it to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, you have an uh, awfully friendly um, relationship with a competitor. He's bringing you into his facility and he's showing you his software. <laughs> yeah, you. I've been known to be invited to places <laughs> that usually, usually most people aren't. I think that, you know, me giving back to the industry and having that voice, um, you know, puts the defenses down. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's funny because I had an employee when I was first looking at CNC machines go into a facility that um, we were looking at the machines and this is when we lost 90% of our business and the um, employee came out and he said, I think I, I saw a customer's name on a print. Yeah. And I, and I looked at him and I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know, and it's like, did they welcome us in their facility? They show us the machines and we're going to go back. I, uh, mind you, that employee's no longer working with me. Yeah. Uh, looking for me, but that's, you know, that's the standard. That's really the, the way that a lot of people think it, it, it should be. It's like, let's take what we see, let's grab it. And it shouldn't be about that. It's about building partnerships and relationships. And those relationships and partnerships actually are also with the collaboration of your competitors and wanting the best for the industry. It, I always believe that you call it karma, you call it whatever you want to call it, what you Put out, you get back. Cool. Um, talk to me about uh, current um, situation. How is the pandemic uh, affecting your work? And any is it prompting? We've seen a lot of um, uh, enterprises in this space that this challenging period has really been a, an accelerator of digital transformation. It's prompting a lot of people to who had considered some of these automation initiatives to really jump on board because they have to. How is it? Uh, uh, coming into play in your place? Well, we're very fortunate. Like I said in the intro, uh, we're doing, you know, we're making parts for uh, medical devices. Right. Um, this battle against COVID. And I, we, were, we were doing a lot of parts for Tesla. And um, after, you know, in the beginning stages back in March, um, a few of our customers closed. Um, I didn't close, but would not accept any more orders. Mm -hmm. And that was a scary time. You know, it was, you know, just like everyone else, everyone's worried about closing their shop or their business. And I think COVID has done that to, unfortunately, a lot of businesses. So that was a, a huge red flag. But literally overnight, we were getting calls from our other customers that we didn't even know we were making parts for oxygen equipment and ventilators. We, yeah. we were in that space and not even knowing that it was a lot of NDAs and a lot of, um, you know, prints disguised is one thing. Uh, doesn't really give us the ability of knowing exactly what we're making at times. Interesting. Uh, although, although we do want to know and we um, keep, that's, that's part of what we do here as well is that we, the, the entire team knows when we're making parts for something cool or powerful or medical, we were making parts uh, to treat cancer patients. You know, I'm hopping around from machine to machine showing testimonials and telling my team that this is where these parts go. This is the application. Now we do quarterly meetings and we show them there. But at one point, it was important for me to keep them engaged and also, yeah. just, you know, 
um, uh, it's it's extremely powerful that we yeah, what we're doing. It's profound. Yeah, and that's so, cool. Is to to really kind of somebody who might be inclined to have their head down and and just be considering the parts coming off a machine to really kind of pull things back and show the big picture, particularly when it's so altruistic or so positive as it is with, you know, contributing to, to medical devices at this period. That's very interesting. Absolutely. So we did, um, you know, our business is not as um, strong as it was uh, pre COVID, mm -hmm. but we're very optimistic and um, we're still in a very good space. Um, so we're, we're, we're extremely grateful. Extremely. Awesome. Uh, last question for you. Um, some takeaways for listeners, particularly you, you, let's let's think of somebody who who um, runs a facility comparable to yours, not a behemoth. Um, in your digital transformation journey in recent years, what are some uh, one or two really key takeaways that that you could pass along that anyone could really emulate? So in the beginning stages, when I was shopping around for machines, um, and this was um, in the CNC Swiss world, I, um, I visited a couple of um, couple machine builders, and um, one in particular really didn't take us very seriously. Um, and then when they realized we started buying machines, they came back to us and asked us to buy their machine, which we did. Um, but we ended up parting ways and stuck with um, Star, who is um, the brand that we use. Mm -hmm. And the biggest reason we did that was service. Um, some of these machines look amazing and, um, and, and, and you leave like, you know, jaw dropping, but more importantly, who's going to fix those machines when they're down? Yeah. And I think that that's a huge um, um, step that a lot of people have missed. Prior, you know, when I talk to people and I hear about their challenges, it's challenges I haven't even seen. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, yesterday we had a, a, just a sound out of one of our machines, machine number 21. And we emailed the sound to <laughs> the technician. Interesting. 8 o'clock in the morning, he's here. And we didn't say it was urgent. The machine was running. It was just a sound. Yeah. 8 a.m., they're here. Um, and this is star, you know, and I don't want to, you know, there's no kickbacks or anything like that. Yeah, this is quite a plug. Genuine, genuine service. You know, this is a partnership. This is what we've built yeah. for the last six years. And I, I remember when we were making the transformation between old and new, and we had business that we couldn't make on our machines, on our old machines. And I was counting on the stars. And when they hit the floor, they had them up and running. I had contingencies in the beginning because I didn't know if this partnership was going to be as strong as it is today, right? You don't, right. there's too many unknowns, right? And it's only two machines. Why do they even care about, you know, an ESET Pioneer service? I only bought two machines. Yeah, little so, player, right? Yeah, really small player. And so I remember um, their top guy coming in on a Sunday with his silky shirt um, bent over on the machine getting it to run um, because he had to meet that contingency that the parts would be coming off the machine on Monday. Yeah. And you know, how do you, how do you even thank someone for doing that? You know, this is manufacturing. There's like, you know, as much as I'm a, an advocate of standardizing processes and locking things down, you really can in manufacturing. You just don't know what's going to go wrong. And the troubleshooting sometimes becomes, you know, a, a very a time consumer. And so for us to be able to go to them and know that they have our backs 
and they're in here immediately is, you know, is, it's, it's priceless. Excellent. The value of service. Absolutely. Pioneer Service CEO, Anissa Muthana, thank you for joining us today in the podcast. This is very cool. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, as always, we remind you to go out and make it a smart day.